We'll be in First Thessalonians chapter three. First Thessalonians chapter three. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed unto these things. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now, when Timothy came from you unto us, and brought us good tidings of your faith and love, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live, if ye stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy with which we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct your way unto you, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end ye may establish your hearts and blameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for the words of the scriptures, that they remind us of our relationship to you and to one another, and of the faith that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I pray you will bless our time together in the ministry of the Word this afternoon, that we may glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in all that we do and say. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we have come to this portion of Scripture, we find that uh, Paul, once again, of course, has a very personal faith, in talking to the believers uh, here at Philippi, excuse me, at Thessalonica. And uh, one word phrase which seems to be coming up over and over again is uh, concerning their faith. Uh, We see a brief mention in a number of verses here concerning that topic of their faith. For instance, in verse 2, he says, 
to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. And again, in verse 5, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith. And then again, in verse 6, we find this phrase being used, But now, when Timothy came from you unto us, and brought us good tidings of your faith. In verse 7, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all your affliction and distress by your faith. In verse 10, Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking (coughs) excuse me, in your faith. (coughs) And so this one topic runs... uh, clearly throughout this chapter. <clears throat> what does it mean to us to, to be established in faith? Well, we know that it is a very important part of our walk with the Lord, isn't it? To be established in faith. It isn't enough just to say we are Christians and believers. Faith must be the predominantly identifying factor of our relationship to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so faith is an important part of our life and our walk with Jesus. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10:17. For by grace you are saved through faith. Ephesians also. And so we find that faith is often mentioned and we find that Paul's uh, desire for the believers in Thessalonica, though they were in many ways a model church, yet we find that they were in need of being built up in the faith. For we are in constant need of, of um, strengthening and encouragement in our walk with God. Um, three areas I'd like to speak to. First of all, the believer is to be established in faith. And we see that in verse 1 and 2. And we recognize that if we are saved by faith and not by works, then certainly we must be established in faith if we are to know that our salvation is truly by the grace of God. Uh, Secondly, the believer, though subject to trials and persecutions, must not fall back from the Lord. Well, Paul even goes on to say that they should expect that there would be some trials and persecutions. In fact, He himself was under trial and persecution and did not consider that that was abnormal, but rather that that was something normal for the Christian life, to have trials and to have sufferings. 
Sometimes as Christians, we, when something happens, that we have a trial or a persecution, we immediately think we did something wrong. But that is not always the case. Uh, rather, we find the more that we are um, demonstrative concerning our faith, the more that we demonstrate our faith, the more likely we will have trials and persecutions because of our faith. And then sometimes, of course, trials simply happen in our lives, for we walk with God, and of course the great deceiver, Satan himself, he wants to undermine our walk with God. And so we find that... uh, Paul even said that he was hindered by Satan at times. And so we know that um, the great deceiver is at work. And if trials come our way, we should not be surprised. Uh, So trials will happen. Number three, the fruit of the Spirit will confirm genuine faith. We find that um, he mentions their love and their charity. Um, In fact, in verse 6, he says, But now when Timothy came from you unto us and brought unto us good tidings of your faith and love. Of course, your Bible may say charity there, but nonetheless it's the same. Your faith and love. And love is, of course, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, patience, temperance, so forth. We find that uh, there should be, then, a demonstration of the fruit of the Spirit that confirms our walk of faith. Now, we know that these things are a part of God's uh, design that he will work in us or work out in us our salvation, the true hope of eternal life. And so it should not surprise us that Paul had such a burden for these Christians at Thessalonica Uh, Not unlike he had burdens for those at Philippi or Colossae or Ephesus or Laodicea or other of the churches that uh, did represent the body of Christ, even Corinth, though it had many problems. It was a believing church. And uh, sometimes we... We decry the fact that our churches have such difficulties at times. But we should not uh, be too surprised, for if we look to the first century churches, we find many of the same problems that we have in the modern day church are still were existent then in the first century church. There were still uh, separations between people party spirits and those who were were favoring one person over another. There were those who were jealous and 
and held envy and strife over other people in the first century. Um, there were those who did not follow the Lord as closely as others. And Demas was one of those who seemed to go back into the world to some extent, though we aren't told a lot about him. Um, and there is always some conflict between brethren. Uh, Paul had his conflicts with other brethren, as maybe you have had conflicts at times with other brethren. But we should remember that God is the one who establishes faith in the hearts and lives of believers, and that we must trust and walk with him and must not be the judges of others on the same level as God is. Oh, it is natural for us to take note of those things which uh, don't line up with Scripture, and we say, oh, that person shouldn't have done this, or they shouldn't have done that. But censorious judgment, where we censor other people ourselves, can only lead to censoring of ourselves. That is, people want to do the same thing back to us. But anyway, as we look at this here, we find that uh, Paul brings out some, some interesting things concerning the sanctification, if you will, of the believers at Thessalonica. So circumstances perhaps prohibited Paul from returning to Thessalonica personally, so he and Silas decided to send Timothy back to encourage the saints. And evidently, Paul traveled from Berea to Athens without the perhaps the companionship of Timothy and Silas. And we find in Acts chapter 17 and verse 15, and they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timothy for to come to him with all speed. So apparently, um, uh, Timothy and Silas did so. Their mutual concern for the Thessalonian church led Paul and Silas to send Timothy to Thessalonica. And Silas also returned to Macedonia shortly after Timothy's departure, um, perhaps to check on the, the church of Philippi, or uh, Silas and Timothy both returning to Macedonia to rejoin Paul at Corinth. And so in Acts chapter 18, in verse 1 through 5, after these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was 
impressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Well, all these things uh, being said, we know Paul did have a burden for those at um, Thessalonica. And so here in verse 1 and 2, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow worker in the gospel of Christ. And so Paul and Silas uh, sent Timothy, uh, the, uh, their brother in, in Christ, their minister of God, fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, uh, to establish and to comfort you concerning your faith. Believers always need to be ministered to, and many churches, of course, are involved with um, the ongoing work of trying to build up a new church somewhere. I remember years ago when I was in Florida going to Spurgeon Baptist Bible College that there was a fellow by the name of Cuthbert, I believe it was, and he was a missionary to establishing new churches. And um, Lakeland, Florida was, was growing by 10,000 people a year at the time. And I don't know what the population was right then, but it was considerable. And uh, so he was involved in trying to pull together nucleuses of Christians in the Lakeland area and the surrounding area um, and to establish new churches. And they generally believed if they could get five to seven families to cost it together in a house church setting, and you might call it a Bible study, and uh, come together and study the Bible, these five to seven families uh, could over a period of time then be the nucleus of a new church. And uh, I'm sure Mr. Cuthbert was uh, very concerned for those people that he was was uh, discipling, that he was bringing together to make this new church. But this was, uh, this was what he did. He was a missionary to begin new churches in the Lakeland area. And of course... Um, he himself was not a, uh, not unusual. I mean, look what Paul was doing. You might say he was doing pretty much the same thing, beginning these house churches and using the people that were closest to him, such as, such as Silas and Timothy. And uh, though Timothy was quite young in the faith, yet at the same time he calls him a brother, a minister, and a fellow worker. He uses three different terms to refer to Timothy. Uh, and so Timothy was um, a, a young man uh, who was, had a bright future, and Paul wanted to ensure that he had plenty of opportunity to help. And he was not afraid to send Timothy in his stead to Thessalonica and to build them up in the faith as we know that all believers need to be built up in the faith. And so he sent Timothy, 
And uh, he said, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Well, you know, faith is, is, uh, is quite fragile at times, I suppose. Um, faith, the subject the, the, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, we, we realize that faith requires us to believe. And if somehow our faith can be shaken, then um, we can somehow uh, lose some ground, we might say. And for these uh, young churches that Paul was establishing, he wanted them to be well established in the faith. In fact, you know, even a little church like this one, I mean, if there isn't enough people to keep it going, very soon it can just whistle up and die. It can just dissolve very easily, very quickly. And so uh, the strength of the church depends upon the faith of the people who are in it. And uh, um, sometimes missionaries labor on foreign fields for a very long time before they can fully establish a work that can exist without them. And you see, that's uh, kind of the goal of um, a pastor of a small church as well as of some, a church planter who is planting churches. They want to be able to, to get the church to the point where they can exist without them. Because uh, in small churches, uh, pretty much everything is left for the pastor to do. Uh, if, if the pastor doesn't do, do it, it doesn't get done. And so... Um, there has to be this drawing together of people of like precious faith. They have to have true faith, faith that is uh, desirous to be used of God and faith that would require them to labor and to resist the temptations of the world, to endure during the trials or temptations of the world. And we know that there is always plenty of that that goes on. And so um, uh, I, think, I pray you will consider that because if, if, as you go to small, a small church, whether it's the Center Refingham Church, whether it's this church, or any other small church, they all face the same problem. They all have a like problem of having people who are committed and enduring uh, Christians of like faith that will carry on the work when um, the shepherd of the flock is no longer with them. So the believer is to be established in faith. That is essential. And he, that's what he first begins by saying here, to establish you and comfort you concerning your faith. You see, faith is so fragile, we need to be comforted of it. We need to be comforted. It's difficult to walk alone by yourself. To be all alone. It's, a, it's difficult. It takes a unique person, a very strong person, to walk all by themselves, all alone, and have no one to comfort them in their faith. But of course we have those kinds of people and they stand out in history at times. But we should remember that they got there because they were established in faith. Somebody, somebody established them well in the faith. 
for them to do what they needed to do. Whether it was a Hudson Taylor going to China Inland Missions or whether it was William Carey going to India or whether it was uh, somebody else, you know, in, in history, D.L. Moody. Or, uh, what drives these people that they become so um, much used of God? Well, they became established in faith. That was the underlying principle that cannot be overlooked. Somebody did something in their lives that set them on this road which they themselves became uh, very good at. Not without trials, not without persecution, not without sufferings. Um, I think the story is told about D.L. Moody that on his deathbed, um, he commented to a very good close friend of his. He says, I can't imagine what I was afraid of. He says, because now that I am here, I am not afraid at all about going home to be with the Lord. But you see, um, the, human, the human spirit, such as it is, needs to be established in faith and comforted. And so Paul desired this, and he sent Timothy back to do this work if, as much as he could do. In verse 3, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for ye yourselves know that we are appointed to these. Now, there were, there were persecutions that we have to remember that a little bit later on here, uh, that it says that Claudia had expelled the Christians from Rome. Or was it in, I guess it was in the Act passage that I read, that Claudia expelled the Christians, the Jews, from Rome. Um, the Jews were under persecution simply because they were Jews and the Romans didn't want them there. But what about the Christians? Uh, what about the Christian Jews? <laughs> what about those who were Jewish and became, became followers of Christ? What about, what about those who, like Paul and Silas, who were Jews, and Timothy, who um, had a Jewish mother and a Greek father, um, what about him? Uh, we find that uh, in many different ways that people came under these trials and persecutions in the first century, and we also know that it happens still, and that no man should be moved by these afflictions, Paul says. You're going to have these afflictions. I have these afflictions on me. I have them. For you yourselves know that we are appointed unto these things. Paul says we are appointed unto these, these trials, these sufferings, these afflictions, if you will. For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass, and ye know it. We, Paul even told them that, that uh, he would suffer these things. And now he's, uh, he's comforting them. You know, it's a comfort for us to know what, what is in store for us. It should, not, it should not be anything that we run away from, simply because uh, we know that as Christians we're going to have persecutions. It, it is, and rather, it is somewhat of a confirmation of our true faith to know that we are persecuted for our faith. Because those who are not persecuted for their faith, have no faith. They are rather with the world, they are the persecutors, rather than the persecuted. 
for, for their faith. And, and so Paul was suffering under these persecutions and he wanted them to know that, that uh, they should expect it and uh, that it is important for them to realize this is also a part of being established in faith. In verse 5, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith. He wanted to establish them in faith. He had a burden for them and he wanted to know their faith. The believer, though subject to trials and persecutions, must not fall back from the Lord. We must not fall back from the Lord. And, and trials and persecutions sometimes will uh, cause us to fall back. He says in verse 5, Lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. And our labor be in vain. Well, you know, the practical aspect of the Christian life is that we, as we are subject unto persecutions and trials, we tend to act it out on a human level. That is, we don't do very well under trials and persecutions normally. We kind of shy away from those things. And we would even say, I don't want them. And, um, and we might even run in the other direction when they come our way. But you notice that Paul wasn't running in the other direction. And these Christians in Thessalonica, under the Roman and Greek rule, these Christians, if they were to prove their faith and to be well established in faith, they could not run either. You know, for a very long time here in the United States, we've had a very easy. We've had we've had it very easy. What about the Christians in Iran? Do you think they have it easy in a country that would rather kill you for your faith? Or in Saudi Arabia where it's against the law to be a Christian? In all practicality, it's against the law. You go practicing your faith in Saudi Arabia and you won't last too long. And what about in China? You probably would end up in a prison camp if you bucked the the uh, two-self church very much. If you, if you follow the state church, you might get by. But if you buck the, two, the state church, you might end up in a prison camp very quickly. And, uh, you know, we see this kind of thing happening. Even in India, it's not at all very popular to be a Christian in India. And in some of the provinces, the... Uh, the village uh, authorities will, will give the police the right to persecute the Christians in some of the villages. In maybe some of the outlying, er outlying areas where the, that you don't have as much of a population, you may get by. But in some of the more populated villages, you go trying to say too much and do too much and it's not going to go well. And Paul was trying to comfort them. Paul was trying to establish them. Paul was trying to say to them, you, you, need, to, you need to take particular note of your walk of faith. 
because there will be trials and there will be persecutions, even as I have had them, and that the tempter will tempt you, and we do not want that our labor would be in vain. He desired to see this church in Thessalonica continue and to be a healthy church. And then lastly here we see the fruit of the Spirit will confirm genuine faith. He says, but now with Timothy, when Timothy came from you unto us, so Timothy was in Thessalonica, came unto Paul and Silas, and brought us good tidings of your faith and love, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Now that, the whole, that whole phrase there is the indication that they were missing at Paul, and they desired to see Paul, and uh, that their faith was very much alive, and that they were showing brotherly love and charity, if you will, uh, through Timothy as he came to see them, to see Paul and Silas. They were desiring greatly to see Paul and Silas, as also Paul and Silas were greatly desiring to see them. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. We were comforted. We were comforted. You see, the, it's a reciprocal, isn't it? If you see other believers doing well in their faith, if you see other believers being charitable and loving and, and uh, truly showing their faith, and they show it to others, it becomes reciprocal. You know, the people that they are showing that desire toward and charity toward also are comforted even as those who are showing it have been comforted. And so we find that this, um, the fruit of the Spirit is, of course, a, um, a wonderful part of our uh, ministering um, and shows uh, the Spirit's working and true faith in the, in the life of the believer. As we read, and I'll just read a couple of verses out of Galatians chapter 5. And uh, beginning with verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. So we have love and faith mentioned in the same verse. Meekness, self-control, against sense there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. And of course we read in the scripture, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him.
And of course, another passage also reminds us where it says that the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life play a predominant role in undermining the faith of the believer. I believe Ed Seeley told me not too long ago, he says, he says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. But he says, I don't think it's the love of the world that is bothering me these days. I think it is the lust of the flesh. You know, somehow the tempter gets a hold of our flesh and wants to undermine our faith by it. And in that we find ourselves often under afflictions and distress. In verse 7 of chapter 3, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if we stand fast in the Lord. See, this is the one thing that uh, underscores our true faith if we stand fast in the Lord. If you know somebody who isn't standing fast in the Lord, you might say, you wonder, perhaps, have they lost their faith? But if somebody is standing fast in the Lord, then you would say, they have faith. Because they're staying true to the Lord. And as we look at some of these people in the uh, first century, Paul, Silas, Timothy, Titus, you know, we take a pick. Um, we, we, don't, we do not read concerning their giving up. We read concerning their endurance unto the end. And that seems to be one of the areas that we are in great need of in the church. We need to endure. Uh, Some have called it the perseverance of the saints. That the true believer will persevere. He won't give up halfway through and then say they're still saved. No, perseverance of the saints means that you continue. You endure to the end. You suffer the trials, the persecutions, the hardships, the difficulties, even the trials of your faith. You suffer them, but you don't, you don't give up. You continue to stand fast in the Lord. And that is needed in these days, to stand fast in the Lord. In verse 9, For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy that with which we joy of your sakes before our God? Paul gave thanks to the Lord. For, for this, he wasn't saying that he was he, that he was just patting himself on the back. He wasn't giving credit to himself for establishing their faith. He wasn't giving credit to himself if they would 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 withstand temptation. No, he was giving credit to God. You see, but that didn't keep him from saying that they should be established, that they should continue in their faith, that they should that he would love to be comforted of their faith. 
and that he would want to know that they would suffer even the trials and temptations of Satan, but yet he, they would remain true and stand fast in the Lord. You see, that's what he desired. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy with which we joy of your sakes before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. See, Paul prayed by day and by night. You know, sometimes we say, pray without ceasing, and we think of somebody who's just on his knees all the whole time. No, it's, it's when we are praying in all seasons, at all times. It's not that we're always on our knees. You've got to get up and walk once in a while. But by day and by night, in all things, Paul kept them in prayer. As some of you are keeping others in prayer by day and by night. That is, in, whether it's in the daytime or the nighttime, or whenever the Lord brings someone to your attention and you, you believe that you should pray for them, you pray for them. And that is a good thing. Something that we should do. And that uh, Paul desired to perfect that which is lacking in, in their faith. Well, you see, it doesn't mean that their that faith wasn't good enough. It just means that their faith needed to be strengthened more. Well, I'm in there. I can stand some of that. That's strengthening. Because sometimes I don't feel very strong, you see. We need strengthening in our faith. Verse 11, Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. All three mentioned in the same verse, by the way. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Just about, uh, God our Father, God, uh, God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men even as we do toward you to the end ye may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints Well, we know the, tr the triunity of the Godhead can't be separated. So wherever there is the Father, there is the Son. Wherever there is the Son, it follows that the Spirit was given. That we might live after the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul even looks through to the end of the course to which all of us must run. And that leads us to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. We don't get to stop halfway through. Our faith carries us firmly to the end. It doesn't mean that some will lose their salvation. It means that we all need to be established and strengthened and comforted in our faith that we may look to the prize at the end.
the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I was just talking to um, another believer the other day. He's, he owns the hardware store in Keysa Falls, and I went in to buy, get something that I needed, and he said to me, oh, I'm sorry, I, I meant to say something to you sooner that I didn't know your wife had passed away. And he mentioned, he mentioned her offering condolences for my wife's passing. And then he said, well, you know, my little grandson drowned this year. And he says, I said, well, it's tragic to see a little child die. And he says, well, it's always tragic to see anybody die like that, but we do know that at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will see them again. Well, here is Paul. At the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, concerning their faith at Thessalonica. See, believers, believers, they have this hope of you this hope of Christ's coming. It is hope that is not built upon anything but true faith. But because it's built upon true faith, it is a, is a very firm, firm foundation because of Christ and who He, who he is. This, the incarnate Son of God. The one who said to His own disciples, as you see Him go, he will come also in like manner, even as he went to be with the Lord at the ascension. <clears throat> well, we find that faith then, to be established in faith, this is the work of God upon every believer. And we must give ourselves to it. We must walk in faith and endure unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word to us. Thank you for these thoughts and for the blessing of your word and for faith. For we know that it is that by which we are truly brought into a right relationship with you through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.